0: Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sophie Scott.
1: And I'm James Gill.
0: Our mission is to make wellness accessible to everyone.
1: We'll be chatting with our favourite people.
0: Sharing uplifting news stories.
1: And delivering tips and tricks.
0: To bring balance to your lives.
1: Hello, welcome to The Balance Podcast. Our guest today, the wonderful... The incomparable, the national treasure in waiting, Nadia Hussain. Some of you will be thinking, is she as nice in real life? Yes, yes, she absolutely is. She's uh, heartwarmingly nice. I hope the m- my friend at Penguin doesn't mind me saying, but the, the, the mark of how nice, if that sounds like a, a one year old in the background, it's because it is. You come sit up with me. Okay, here we go. go. You're better at this than me. Uh, I'll keep it brief. Uh, the publicists at Penguin always say how wonderful Nardi uh, it is. It's always a me- it's a measure of a person. Um, there is a question in this where I make a right dog's breakfast of it. I could and probably should uh, <laughs> edit it down. You'll see the bit I mean. It's where I try to say which this is absolutely true. My if someone's from Leeds even though she's not even even though Nadia isn't from Leeds if someone is from Leeds my mom takes some sort of proud ownership of them as if she's played some sort of part in their success I don't know if you can relate to this uh, and so I tried to make that point and it takes me about two minutes to get the question out when I listen back to it it's, it's slightly embarrassing uh, the sort of thing that you know when you walk into the supermarket and you remember that you did that and you're like oh god but I'm going to keep it in I could edit it out but I'm point after I chatted with Nadia for the balance podcast, I phoned my mom to tell her that oh, I chatted with Nadia Hussain. And the very first thing my mom said was she's from Leeds. And again, she's not, but she, she did live there for a while. Um, I've spent about a solid minute explaining to be fair. When you get to the bit, you'll know what I mean. Cause it takes me about a solid minute to ask the, what is quite a straightforward <laughs> question. Anyway, Nadia is wonderful. Her new book, well, new-ish book, actually. It's out now. Um, Time to Eat is fun. Uh, make meals from the book Time to Eat. Then there's there's, there's hope for all of us, I promise. Uh, Nadia Hussein is wonderful. She's super nice. Her, her, she's got this warm charisma. If she'd told me that she'd just started a cult called Nadia-ism, I would have said, do you have a pen so I can sign my life away? She has that. She has this warm aura about her. Her eyes are like tractor beams but I mean this in the nicest way (laughs) If she's listening to this I mean this in the nicest way possible there is a special aura about uh, Nadia I think she's fantastic anyway hope you enjoy as ever if you've enjoyed it please spread the word tell your friends oh I wanted to read out some of your lovely reviews thank you I'll do it I'll do it at the end bit um but here she is the I mean Luna's excited Nadia Hussain well, if, if David Attenborough is close to God, who have you met who, you, who, in terms of a hero that you would put close to God, have you ever had that moment where you're like, oh my goodness.
2: Yeah. And I, I, I want Jon Snow. Not the Game of Thrones no, John no, no, Snow. No. You I'm know which you. one I'm talking about. The
1: silver-haired fox.
2: Oh, yes. And that, not Philip Schofield. No. <laughs> I'm talking about John Snow. <laughs> the original. Because it's really odd because you, you know, I went from a world where, you know, everything that I watched on television was a whole other world. Sure. never imagined that I'd be a part of it. And then suddenly I was at this event and Jon Snow comes over to me and he comes up and he holds my hand and he said, whatever it is you're doing, you just keep doing it. And then walks off like he was an apparition. I know, I know, my heart raced. and I was like, was that actually the Jon Snow?
1: Pinching yourself. Yeah.
2: Did did anyone else see that? Did did someone get a picture? (laughs) It was just, he was like an apparition. He kind of came over Said it and then just walked off. And I just kind of thought that just happened because he's somebody that we've watched on television our entire life. And they sure. just, they become, they, they kind of, when you don't see them all the time, when it's somebody you don't see ever and they're on television, they're just in their own little world. And then when he came over, I just, I'll never forget that moment. But then I did, I also met Lenny Henry, which was also exciting. And then he asked me for a picture and I was like, yes!
1: So when was this with Lenny? So to explain my love affair with Lenny. Oh. I'm 40 and so when I was a kid the Lenny Henry show on BBC One didn't get any better than that so I've never met Lenny Henry so that how how did that come about? That
2: was um I was at an awards and he was in the same green room as me and I was like I'm sharing a green room with Lenny Henry it's like I I couldn't breathe and it was really exciting because he came up to me and said hello and I was like At this point, I'm like really nervous because I I don't know whether I should say hello. Sure. And like, what if the biggest fear of me about meeting people that you've seen on television is that what if they're not as nice as they appear on television? Yes. So, of course, I was scared. I was like, he's Lenny Henry. He's going like, what if he tells me to get lost? And I'd be really embarrassed, but only I would know. But it wouldn't matter. So I didn't say anything. And he just kind of came in and he said, hi. And then he he asked if he could take a picture with me. I was like, okay, hello. Wow. That's kind of cool.
1: See, that, that must be a nice moment, though, where, when something like that happens.
2: Um, it's a bit of a weird pinch me moment because sure. I can't fully understand why they want a picture with me. It doesn't make sense to me because what I want is a picture with him. But of I didn't have the guts to ask him for one. So occasionally I stroll through social media to see if I can find it, the evidence. <laughs> but, I but I
1: can't. The universe has your back there, though, doesn't yeah, it, Phil? Yeah. To... My
2: husband was there, so he did see it happen.
1: That's nice. But because, I mean, you've touched on it there. Um, fame and all of this and the and the books and the tv shows it's it's not as if it's something that you'd actively pursued it's it's unusual yet organic at the same time how this has all happened how do you keep a a level head with it all because it's remarkable
2: um i certainly let's go i mean going back right to the beginning yeah i certainly didn't do this to there was no there's no goal there was no focus there was no oh i want a career out of this Um, My husband did the application form Mm. and I suffer with panic disorder, which I'm really open about. And it's something that I really struggled to talk about growing up. Um, But it's something that I was really open about. My husband just, he just said, "You, there's something about you that's changed. And I think what had happened was I'd focused so much time and dedicated all of my existence to raising this family, which... I have to say, has worked out really well because my kids are absolutely beautiful and so well-behaved and just so... They're really kind, conscientious human beings. And that, for me, is job done, really, as a parent. Um, but, you know, I didn't go into... Uh, I, I, was, I didn't go into Bake Off for a career. I just did it because I suffer with panic disorder and I needed to do something that allowed me to face some of the fears, the things that I'm so, I was so afraid of, going on a train, being without my kids. Like, they were my security blanket. And suddenly I was having to do this baking show all on my own and it it pushed me into so many corners and got me to the and I was standing on lots of there were points where I was always on the edge and I was like this is this is not fun anymore like I'm not enjoying being on the edge but I'd never done it yeah and it really pushed me to I suppose realize how strong I can be or how strong I am um but then I had the comfort of going back to my house and being with my kids and going back to normal for five days before going off and filming and again for another two days. What I never expected was to come, firstly, to win Bake Off. Yep. Everyone always asks me, did you expect to win Bake Off? And was there a point, at what week did you think, yeah, I'm going to win this? Never. Even up to the final, I kept calling it week 10. <laughs> Yeah. like there was going to be a week 11 I was like could you guys stretch this out to a week 11 because I could I, I mean if I go I go and gives that you know, so, and, and my husband just said you need to stop calling it week 11 you realize it's the final and I said you shut your mouth you be quiet you do not say those words in this house ever again you do not say the word final so it's like no no final it's just week 10 so I just treated it as a part of my almost treatment it was like no I'd rather just call it week 10 and it's not about winning for me. It's about the fact that I got there and, and, and I didn't intend to get there. Um, and even down to the moment when they announced my name, I remember thinking, I've got to put these shoes in the washing machine because there is sugar all over these shoes. That's all I thought. Yeah. Um, and everything that came after that, again, not something that I expected, not something that I even asked for. And that's, I suppose, is the bit that's the most organic in the sense that now I get these opportunities to write cookbooks write fiction, do the things that I love. And more often than not, somebody will say, would you like to do this? And I'll say, no, no, thank you. Because it doesn't fit in with my lifestyle with the kids. And, you know, it doesn't always, it's not always something that I want to do. I do what I want to do. And, you know, I love cooking and I love writing. And so to be able to write cookbooks feels like the most natural place in the world for me. Apart from motherhood, that feels like the most natural place for me to be writing cookbooks.
1: How has it been such an inspiration to so many people as well? Because I mean, you talk about the, the panic disorder there. I know through your social media. Um, I mean, that's a that's a wonderful gift that you're able to pull other people through. I guess. Uh, what's that experience been like? Oh,
2: I think so when some when when I get asked this question, if you asked me this question four years ago. I'm nearly can you believe it's been four years mad it's been nearly four years yeah. um but if you'd asked me just a little over three years ago I would have said to you no 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 I I kind of want to just I did this for me and I did this because I have panic disorder and it's quite a, in some ways quite selfish because I needed to I needed to look after myself first sure. and now three and a bit years later I kind of look back and now when someone asks me what does it feel like to be a role model? For, for for all these people who kind of look up to you. Yeah. Now I get it. Yeah. At first I would have said no no just want to be a muslim you know this colored girl who does this baking show i just want the fact that i'm muslim to be an incidental thing. Sure. But now this many years later i realize the importance of it and sometimes when i well, it's only during when i'm having a debate on social media or i'm having a chat on social media with someone about it that I kind of think, what have I let myself in for? But I understand the the importance of being where I am today because, you know, firstly, because I work in an industry where it's very male-dominated. So, you know, someone like me turns up and suddenly can cook. You know, I'm not a chef. I'm self-taught. And by self-taught, I mean... I need to eat, so I need to cook. That's it. Like, sure. we're all self-taught, really, aren't we?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm
2: not a chef. I'm not trained in any which way. I love doing this. That's it. Just I love feeding my family, and I love cooking, and I love learning. And so the three together means that I get to do this incredible job. Um, and so it doesn't make me any less qualified than anyone else. Absolutely. Um, so... And and I think the it's just the ability to be able to cook and make people smile and I think that you don't need a qualification qualification for that. Um, oh
1: my God! It doesn't say much, to make me cry. <laughs> oh A line like that will get me right in the. Yeah, line. no, you
2: just I I you know I love doing this and and I work in an industry where it's very male dominated and quite often I, I I suffer with imposter syndrome. So I turn up to things and I'm like, oh man, and and that's my entire life though. You know, I've spent my whole life walking into rooms, realizing, oh man, I'm the only brown face. Oh, I'm the only Muslim person here. or oh, I'm the only person asking to pray midday because it's like and I just it's I always I've always felt like the awkward Mm. person that turns up um and it's no different to the job that I do now sometimes I turn up to things and I'm like oh man I'm the only one of me but that's why I understand why it's so important so now I kind of turn up to things elbows metaphorically out ready to say you know what actually yeah I'm not English and I'm not your standard or the norm but I am Muslim and I am brown and I'm Bangladeshi and I'm British and I'm all of those things and I love to cook and I love to feed and I'll write and cook for as long as I'm allowed to and and now I understand the importance of that because you know my kids get to see someone like mummy who goes out into a world where she kind of doesn't belong but she does it anyway and somebody asked my son to just after bake-off a year after bake-off we'd moved house and we'd moved around quite a lot that year and um somebody said to my it's really funny because whenever somebody says what does your mummy do or who's your mummy or we can he almost expects them to know who I am straight away so it was great for him when somebody doesn't know who I am he's like oh yes somebody doesn't know who sure. she is. um and they said so what does your what does daddy do and he's like oh dad works in IT <laughs> boring um and then he said what does your mummy do and uh he kind of he didn't know what to say. And he, he kind of stopped a couple of seconds and my husband was there and he said, um, oh, um, I don't know, but she, does, she lives her dreams. Right? Bennett. I know. Yeah. And that was it. He just, now when, if somebody asks me, what do you do? I don't even know what my job title is because it's not really a nine to five. You know, it's not, you know, I'm always working just like I'm always being a mom. So I never really ever switch off. Um, even when I go to the loo, you know, I've left a sign outside my door saying, "Unless the world is ending, you know, don't knock on this door because I'm in here and I need five minutes. Thank you very much. That's it. They don't knock on the door. It's the only place they don't knock." Um, I
1: don't have that luxury. No. No, the three-year-old. Yeah. Toilets are tickets event these days. Yeah. Exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, mine now know that you, you can't you can't come in. So, um, so it you know like if they don't, I don't even know what my job title is, but. I know that I love what I do and that's what's really important to me. But the fact that my kids see me live my dreams, whatever that may be, gives me hope that, you know, they're going to go out one day and say, do you know what? If she can do it and I can do it. And that's now, and I know that there's a bigger picture here. You know, there's, you know Absolutely. there are going to be lots of girls of color, mm. women, yeah. housewives, stay at home moms who are going to sit there and chip away at themselves and say, Oh, I don't think I can do that. Oh, I don't think constantly doubting themselves, but seriously if an average joe like me can get out there and just constantly push all those fears and just constantly do something that i love then there's hope for all of us
1: there are certain <coughs> quotes that i read and as i say it won't take much to tip me off
2: my aim now is to make you cry before you leave
1: uh, you'll you, well mission accomplished already i, I assure <laughs> you but the, the line of yours when you win about i oh, will no longer put boundaries around yeah. myself i mean that i mean i know it wasn't planned but i mean those it's just three sentences isn't it i yeah. mean you must get quoted that back to you all the time and it's all the time. It's so, so inspirational, though, isn't it? Did it? Did you realise that you'd... No, that you were oh, spinning gold with that?
2: No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. Oh, my God, let's print it on a T-shirt. Uh,
1: you know what? There's <laughs> There have been self-help books books written about much less. So, I honestly, in just those three succinct lines, you know, you've... Um, it means a lot to a lot of people, doesn't it? Well,
2: I hadn't realised, because what had happened was, because there's somebody who you talk to off-camera, and it's mm. the same person, and this lovely girl called Sophie who I worked with through the whole thing. Yeah. And you really get to know them because you actually allow, I'm one of these people. I don't like, it's there. It, you can't, you can't, it's on my face. God comes
1: down. Sure. But
2: it's like in my face, you know, yeah. like I can't hide. I try sometimes to hide my emotions, but it's there. It's in my face and you can see it straight away. It's in my eyes and my eyebrows and it's all there. Um and, and 10 weeks later, Sophie and I suddenly became like, she was the person that I spoke to all the time. And, Anything I said on camera, you know, she got the long version off camera and I would cry and have a little like I'd I'd be really upset because I was suffering with having panic attacks every yeah. single day and not being at home and just really afraid and just really out of out of my depth at points. And I remember at that point we stood there for about 20 minutes and all I did was cry and all she did was cry. And we just stood there and I cried for ages. And those were the words that came out. And someone said to me. Did you rehearse those lines? Well, of course I didn't rehearse those. I'm too busy baking for Paul Hollywood and Mary <laughs> Berry. Who has time to rehearse the script? I didn't rehearse no. that. That just came out and that was what I felt at the time. But baking for me has always been much more than just having a cake at the end of it. Baking, Going on Bake Off for me was much more than winning a competition. Of course. For me it was... For the first time in eight nine years, I'd finally had an opportunity to find myself again. And when you get married at twenty and have a baby at twenty one, you stop you stop finding yourself because there's more to your life than just you at that point. Because you have a family and you have children. And any stay at home mum or any mum who has children will know that the second you have a child, it's not about you anymore, and sure. you do lose yourself in that. You know, I I mean, like I used to I used to kind of just look at my week and think did i have a wash this week i'm trying to think did i yeah, wash sure. this week you know we've been yep. there um and so there are moments where you do lose yourself and i just needed i think i needed ba- i needed to bake off and my husband knew i needed to do bake off to find myself all over again um and i didn't even know i existed i didn't even know i existed
1: well, i mean what what that will resonate with so many people what for people who think that they've lost themselves over they're not growing they're not developing not everyone can go on bake off of course but yeah. what would your, what would your advice be to someone who does feel as if they've stopped evolving like that
2: I think when you for I can I mean just as I can only go from Absolutely. Sort of my own experience and, and the thing that I found myself doing was because when we become when we stop challenging ourselves and when we stop when we start getting when we're more when we're I was always afraid like I was always everything was uh, my kids were my security blanket I was always scared and what I'd stopped doing I remember being sort of 17, 18 quite daring like I passed my driving test and I was like I'm just going to drive up the motorway till I run out of petrol that's what I did I drove up the motorway till I run out of petrol amazing then I found a petrol station filled up and then I went all the way back it was just the M1 sure
1: nothing special Yeah,
2: yeah. I was a student I didn't have much money so I got to about junction 13 (laughs) 11 to about 13. I was like, Oh no, it's on Amber, it's on Amber, get off, off onto Toddington. Filled up again, another seven or eight quid, back down. Sure, it was a Renault Clio, small, it didn't take much, but I didn't have much uh, to put in. So that was me, that was me being wild, but you know, that's that was that was who I was. You know, I was like, Hey, I'm gonna do that. And then I think what I'd stopped doing was I'd stopped allowing myself to be scared. So for anyone who is sitting and kind of stewing over things or they're stuck in a bubble think about what scares you the most sure. just step back and say what could I do that scares the life out of I me? And I'm not saying jump out of a plane or you know attach yourself to some rope and jump off a tower or anything nothing like that you know for me it was I was scared to go into the supermarket without a baby inside the sitting bit of the trolley yeah because that was my normal that was my That to me was normal to always have a child to look at and to make eye contact with so I didn't have to communicate with the rest of the world. Um, And if that's all it is, is to send your kid to nursery and go and do that shopping trip by yourself, do that. That's a big deal. Because that is the little things that scare us. And there is nothing nicer than being on the other side of fear. So anyone who is scared imagine how great you're going to feel when you're on that other side of fear and you look back at it and say, I so totally just did that. Yeah. And that's what's really important. So scare yourself a little bit.
1: Amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Um, now the book. Don't jump out of a plane. I'm not, well, I mean, now you've said it, it's in my head, you know.
2: Yeah, it just don't do
1: it. Now, where did the where did the inspiration for the, the book come? So I know because I've read the first few pages, but yeah. our, our readers haven't. So what I mean by that is I've read the intro, so I know, I know where you've come from, but I'll, I'll edit this down, don't worry. But our readers won't know. So, why this book and and why now
2: well this is i'm really excited because firstly the fact that you know i've got the opportunity to write another book is fantastic because i'm i'm all about here and now and i don't believe that just because i'm writing one today that i'll be writing one next year or the year after the year after sure. that it's here and now it's about what i'm doing right now and i'm so proud of this book because i've been writing it since october but of it's great because i look look at this book now that it's finished and It looks just like the other book. So there's this kind of natural, there seems to be a natural style that I seem to cook in that I can't get away from, which is great. So for me, it feels really good. But this book is really important because this is how I cook. It's called Time to Eat. Um, And it's about making cooking and eating the focus, but also making time. Because that's something we, I think we all say, where's the time gone? We've got, we've got no time. Yeah. And this is not me saying that I'm going to save the world or I'm going to change your life. But what I'm saying is that there are certain things that we can do, certain things that we can, certain ways we can use our kitchen and use our time in order to create a bit of time for ourselves. Because what happens is we get so stuck in this bubble of work and children and life and family and just... Just, we we forget that actually, you know, we can make, we can actually bring, make up some time if we're just a little bit clever in the kitchen. So, I'm not going to change your world, it's not going to change your life, but it might change the way you think about what you cook, how you cook, and how to save a bit of time.
1: You see, I think it may it might change people's lives. It might. I'll explain. So, Balance Magazine, as the title suggests, we're all about balance, and a constant theme, and a lot of the feedback we get, and features we've written, I've written all myself, is about frazzled Londoners. Uh, we're too busy. We, we're time poor. So something like batch cooking goes down a storm at the the Gill House. So I, I actually think you're giving something incredibly valuable to yeah. people. I, I think people won't know themselves thanks to reading this I mean that's a nice thing
2: well, this this is something that I've been doing ever since I've had children and it was kind of one of those things that I'd it was about six months into having my first child and I was already at this point pregnant three months pregnant so I was like whoa like two kids by the end of this year and I'm that's that's where will I have time to do anything because yeah. they were then on solids and I was like okay so I'm kind of struggling to make time for me for my husband for life Um and you know I've, it's something that I've been doing and of course, as my family's grown, it's the way I do it has changed. Quantities have obviously changed. and uh, But the, the, the idea has been the same. So little things, like I've got my six, kind of, I've got six tips in here.
1: Now, if I could write these six things on my arm, like <laughs> Guy Pearce in the film Memento. Have you got
2: a tattoo? That's your idea. For your I've never had
1: time. one, but if i I think
2: it should be this one.
1: You've, you've changed the game.
2: Yeah, I think you should. <laughs> so first one, Yes. don't throw anything away.
1: Now, as a thr- I'm from Leeds. Yeah. So I've always felt an affinity. <gasps> my yet. husband's
2: from Leeds. Absolutely.
1: So I got, I got this from my mum. If anyone comes from Leeds, yeah. my mum like takes ownership as yeah. if, so, you know what I mean? So someone breaks through, they're from Leeds, as if like she played a part in their success. Yeah. So the most ludicrous one ever, when Adele broke through, my mum went, she's a Leeds girl. Yeah. And I was like, she absolutely is not. <laughs> <laughs> she's like categorically not from it. So anyway, so just you know, Hilary Gill. Okay. thinks that she owns you all right in, the, in the loveliest me. way possible she can have me <laughs> but as a thrifty Yorkshireman I say that I'll be I'll say to my wife if that banana's black we'll make banana bread out of it
2: yeah well this I think we we live in a society that's instant gratification sure yeah, when yeah. we want something we can just order it in we can go and buy it and we can it's done it's ready there's no we've almost lost the ability to just work a little bit harder to get what we want and I think we're so good at throwing things away we yeah. are we're just we throw everything we i think and and i i grew up in a um my my parents are immigrants so they're like yorkshiremen they're, just, <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're exactly there's one Brilliant. and the same one and the same they don't throw anything away my yeah. dad says if you kill an animal you do not kill it in vain you eat every part of it you use the leather all of it you do not kill an animal take the best bits and get rid of the how rest. dare you yeah. so that's well, sort of it's not it yeah. didn't, it's an entire life yeah So don't throw anything away. Love that. One of the things that we do is I don't throw any of my peelings away. And there's there's the recipes in this book. Yes. Uh, You keep all your carrot, potato, parsnip, broccoli stalks, cauliflower stalks, all of it in a big freezer bag. And when you fill the freezer bag up, you stick all of it into a massive stock pot, veg, loads of veg stock, garlic, and then you just cook that. And then you blitz it down and you've got a vegetable soup and nobody would be none the wiser that it was all made out of peelings. So good. And you just don't ever throw it away. So all you need is to just, like, don't throw anything away. If it doesn't kill you, it's probably edible.
1: Put that on a tea towel. Yeah.
2: <laughs> if it's not poisonous, you can eat it. I'll take that. Right. So that's number one. The freezer is your friend.
1: Now, the freezer's been getting some stick in recent years.
2: Has it? Yeah, I
1: think so. Because I think um, it will be frowned upon to freeze, as if you'd like failed as a parent that you were sticking something in the freezer rather than everything being fresh. Whereas the wonderful thing is, this has now been proven to be nonsense, hasn't so it?
2: I've, the freezer has been my friend, and it's the thing that saved me. Because there are times... So I've got a top drawer where there's single meals. So when the kids... When I always when I make something and there's an extra meal left over, I don't leave it in the fridge for it to sit there and then for someone to eat it. And then eventually sort of seven days later when no one's eating it, I have to chuck it away. Yeah. What I do is instantly, that becomes one portion. So I stick it in a little container and stick it in there because my husband's the kind of person who wakes up at midnight and says, I can't sleep because I'm hungry. Again, it's a Yorkshireman thing, I think. Um, and he wakes up and says, like, I'm hungry. So I'm like, oh, you know that fish pie? from two weeks ago well there's a portion in there for you so that top drawer is solely his
1: so he just waxed. so he goes down at midnight and has a midnight snack
2: always always oh like, I mean he's been known to do it at two in the morning and I'm oh, like I love could you, it. I was like could you eat but can you do it quietly please so if you can freeze something I mean I think I think we I don't think we don't I don't think we utilise our freezer as much as we should I agree Because um, it, it's a really good way of preserving much like pickling and drying we should modern day Kind of preserving is freezing, so we should use our freezers.
1: Now, this is a side note. What does your husband do? Does he watch telly when he's down there, or is he just eating it just on his own? He sits in the
2: dark and just eats. It's really sad. You give your husband a hug. Yeah, just he's like he has to, when he eats, he dedicates his entire thought process to that meal. So he will sit there in the dark, just I'm barely a light on. You know, the hallway light that's yeah. what that is all you can see is a hallway light and the man's naked back just eating food.
1: But I'll tell you what, because he's not watching telly, he'll be tasting every single morsel, won't he?
2: Yep. Every single one.
1: Yeah. I've probably given this more thought than your husband.
2: Yeah. You've uh, <laughs> got an image of his naked back, that's what it is. And it's not
1: it's not unpleasant, I've got to say. <laughs> uh so number three.
2: Everything is an ingredient. Yes. Everything is an ingredient. So for me, I if I can cook it. Sort of thing I
1: say to my wife, if yeah. I'm having a colour disaster, it's all on purpose. Yes, yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Everything's in the There's some recipes in the book which do you ever have like Sometimes there's, for me, I look at a can of spaghetti hoops and my kids love my kids love spaghetti hoops. Yeah, And one of the things that um, I would try and make, because when we were like 13, 12, 13 years ago, when we first had kids, it wasn't, it's not like we had to really think about every meal that we ate. You know, we had to really be careful and budget and make sure we're saving and like pay off our debts and all of the things that, you know, as you do with a young family. Yeah, sure. And... You know, even down to the, you know, paying for the gas bill was really difficult. So it's like, do I really want to be boiling pasta? But I do have a can of spaghetti hoops, which the kids like. So it's about taking something that looks like a, just a can of spaghetti hoops and turning it into something else. And so I just knocked it up. Just a bit of broccoli, um, some pollock. I had some frozen fish, nice. defrosted the frozen fish. Again, freezes your friend. Um, put it all together. Spaghetti hoops, some chilies. And then just some dried... You know the fat ends of the bread? Dried those Yorkshire up. Yorkshire's favourite. Exactly. I always dry those bits up and then added a bit of garlic and then put that... And then you've got a hoop fish bake. Um, and oh. so you kind of like... You go in... Yes, please. And what's lovely is that you've got everything that you need. That the kids... You know, they've got fish. They've got, you know, the carbs from the spaghetti hoops and you've got... The uh, chopped tomato you've got cherry tomatoes, chilies, broccoli. So you've got everything that you need. lovely crust on top. But what's lovely is when you go in with the spoon, and you're like, "Hold on, there's a spaghetti hoop in there." And it's really cool. Yeah. And I love that because it's still fun for the kids, but it's still nutritious and delicious and and fun. That's great. So everything's an ingredient, even if it's spaghetti hoops.
1: For me it would be especially if it's a spaghetti. <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly. <laughs> Canned, frozen, and dry are not bad words. Thank you. They're not. They're not. I think there's a stigma attached to things like dried herbs and canned food. Um, and remember, a lot of these things like tinned carrots, tinned mushrooms, tinned potatoes, these are all the vegetables that don't make it onto our supermarket shelves. They get boiled up and put in a can. Yeah.
0: Um,
2: why not eat
1: them? Absolutely.
2: Why not eat them? And I'm, I'm all for eating in season, but... You know, it's there, it's being sold. And the reason why I really got into canned food was because um, there was a time 10, 12 years ago where I really had to think about things like the gas bill. And I was really worried and I was like, well, I really want my kids to have potatoes, but I can't really afford to boil potatoes for half an hour. But there's tinned potatoes, so I can give my kids tinned potatoes. And there's a lovely recipe in there with marmalade haddock um, with a lovely crust on top and then tinned potatoes. Why not? Like why not? There's nothing wrong with it, and I think we need to we need to stop giving canned food a bad rep because I think you know it. it there's nothing wrong with it.
1: My grandma would make a chicken casserole with tinned carrots in. If I was to taste that now, then I would be crying. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. You're like the end of Ratatouille. So I'm, I'm with you <laughs> on that. <laughs> that's great. So number four,
2: every dish is two dishes. Number
1: five is it? I'm sorry. Every dish is two dishes.
2: Oh yeah, it's Made a note. that's fine. Um... <laughs> Next one, every dish is two dishes. Cook once, eat twice. So... Whenever I'm doing something like one pot, so yep. if it's like a lamb curry or if it's a chili or if I'm doing something that I can double up, there are loads of recipes in here where you double up. Because if you're cooking once, just because you're cooking twice the amount, it's not going to take you twice as long. Everything just cooks in one pot. Yeah, um, It might take you a little bit longer just to prep some of the stuff. But apart from that, it should all take the exact same time. But what's happening is... You're cooking for two occasions. So whenever I cook something big, lentils or a soup or whatever it may be, I always cook to eat that night. And then I pop the other bit into a little kind of container yeah. or a Tupperware or whatever. I let that cool down and stick it in the freezer. And then the following week, you know, I'll cook the whole week and then I'll always double up. And then the following week, I've got the entire week free to then just pop things out of the freezer. And then defrost them and then just cook them and eat them up. That's it. So I, when I cook for a week, I give myself a week off.
1: We're, we're the same at our house. And I, I promise, I can't believe my luck if we go in the freezer and there's something from the previous week. Is it,
2: it's like, it's, it's like you've won a competition. Yeah. It's like, it's like a surprise, isn't it? it, is, it is. It's really yeah. exciting. Mm. Um, and my husband, my husband doesn't quite, cause he doesn't like, he only comes in to make a cup of tea. And then he leaves. He doesn't really pay attention to what's happening in the kitchen. And sometimes he'll look in the freezer and he'll just say, "Oh, do you remember that? Do you remember that lamb curry that we had? Oh, I'd love to have that again." And you'll go, "And then I just, do I?" I know. I, I feel like that, I feel like bewitched. I'm like, it's like, ping. and I feel like I feel like the best housewife in the whole world when he says he really likes something because And in the back of my mind, I know I've already saved it. I'm like, oh, I'm going to pull that one out next week. Ta da! Um, and then. The microwave.
1: By the way, um, this is great. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this <laughs> good, so much.
2: <laughs> good, good. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Microwave. Yes. Again, another thing that I think has had a, has got a bit of a bad reputation. Totally. Because. Um, I think if you are pinging every single meal, I can understand why you don't want to, because you kind of question how fresh is what you're eating. Yes. But the microwave really can, really, really can save you money uh, and time. Because whenever I do jacket potatoes, I am not sticking it in the oven for an hour and 20 for these potatoes to just cook slowly. I ping them in the microwave.
0: If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. Only
2: at Sleep Number stores or SleepNumber.com. Then I stick them on a tray, brush them with a bit of oil, a bit of salt, and then 10 minutes in the oven. So, you know, I've already saved time, like, well over an hour just by doing that. But one thing that I think people forget is that the microwave has a really good ability to dehydrate things. So... Do you ever go into your fridge and, like, at the back of your fridge, do you ever have herbs, things like rosemary, dill, sure. coriander, that you're like, oh no, that's on its last leg. I'm gonna have to chuck that out. Don't ever chuck it out. I'm, I'm gonna change your life now. So don't ever, ever chuck it out. I promise. All right. So just lay it out onto your microwave plate, not on a plate, just onto your microwave plate.
1: Straight on, straight in there.
2: Straight onto the microwave plate in the microwave, and then just. Turn the microwave on and just every 10 seconds, turn it off. And it will take about 15 seconds. I've never really ever gone to 20 seconds. So 10 to 15 seconds, but keep an eye on it. And every few seconds, open it up and have a look. Every five seconds, open up and have a look. And you'll see it starts to crisp them up. So I have got five or six different jars And dill in one, coriander in one, rosemary in one. And by pinging it in the microwave, it dehydrates the herbs and literally pick it up. And it's so crusty and dry. You literally shake it into the jar. And you never, ever have to buy dry herbs ever again. Magic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, see I told you I'd change your
1: life you've, you, I promise you you changed it within about three minutes I know minutes what you're going to do,
2: you are going to go home and start pinging herbs in the microwave
1: <laughs> I'm home alone tonight with the with the kids my wife's out so perfect opportunity for exactly. some home alone pinging
2: tell you about Greedy Feedy in a minute
1: well that was, uh, the Greedy Feedy was one thing I wanted to get on now you, I think you personally and through the show as well I think the, I think we're seeing a return to families eating together that, I mean that can only be a good thing, I think not even that long ago, just a few years ago, kids would have tea at their time the dad would you know everyone was was separate whereas now it does feel like a return to traditional family values and around the table it's like, i know we've, you've made me laugh a lot, which has been <laughs> wonderful, but the four of us at home we will, we will always try eat together we you know we like quite passionately believe that that's uh that's a really positive thing I think isn't it
2: yeah, absolutely I think because um, I growing up. We would, I want to say we eat together, but we I'm one of six. So all six of us eat together. My mum tended to eat after she'd made sure that we'd eaten. And I have to say some of those old habits I can see my mum in me where I make sure they're all fed. And then I'll kind of quickly grab something to eat. And And again, you know, my husband's working late some days, so we kind of split it up sometimes. But we try really hard where possible to have dinner together. And kids, they're at that age. Mine are like bottomless pits. So when they get back yeah. from school, all they want to do is eat straight away. So they have their tea straight away. So we try our best, and I think I can see there's this change in there's something happening where eating together is becoming a little bit more important. But I think what we shouldn't do is put pressure on ourselves to do it seven days a week because that's not always. It's not easy it's not to. It's, always, not, it's yeah. sometimes it's just not possible with everybody's timetables. Um, and my kids have a bigger, you know, I mean, there's their social calendar is. It's, it's I mean, it makes mine look ridiculous, <laughs> honestly. Okay. It's work, 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 work. They're like friends, party, just, they're always out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they've only just hit double digits, so it's not fair, okay, because I don't even have a social life. No, no, no. Um, but it's great, but I think we shouldn't put pressure on ourselves to try and do it seven days a week, because sometimes that's not humanly possible. But do try and do it, like, I always try and do it once, twice a week, where we are eating together. For the most part, I am at home, and I try to be at home to have dinner with them, but... I refuse to work weekends. I'm just, I don't care who it is, what it is. I'm not giving up my weekend with my kids. And that's a pact I made in January to spend every weekend with my kids. And so far...
1: You've stuck with it. So
2: far, I've stuck with it. And I've always done something with them. So last week, we were learning to knit. And we learned to knit. And we did a little bit of knitting. And then I got bored. And I was like, guys, you watch a movie. Yeah. Right. And then, like, it turns out I'm not very good at knitting. But But you tried. I did try. But we try something new every weekend. We try and walk together. Um, but there's one thing that we do once a week because sometimes I'm so busy. We do this thing we call it greedy feedy. And I sit down with them and we make a massive and My mum used to do this with us. Massive plate of food. And then I sit and I use my hands to mix up the food. And I feed them one by one. And there's something that my kids, whenever I'm really busy, my little girl says, Mommy, make eye contact. Cause she knows I'm busy doing other things. I'm not making eye contact with her. Cause sometimes when she's distracted, I'll say, Can you please look at me in the eyes and talk to me? And, um, that's, that's one of the opportunities where we have to give ourselves the chance to sit where I feed each one individually. They are hanging on my every word because I've got the food. It's like being a, it's like being a bird. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's, Almost like regurgitating my food and feeding them because they're they're hanging on my every word because they want to be fed. But we're making eye contact and that's really lovely and that's something my mum used to do, Um and we've just carried it on and it's it's lovely because it's that opportunity for because they're getting to that age where becoming teenagers yeah. a bit older so they kind of don't want to be fed by mummy. But at the moment it's okay. I'm not too uncool for them, so it's nice to be able to do it.
1: But they're bonds that like genuinely they're bonds that last forever in terms of making eye contact with someone yeah. I, I feel that way with my daughters I want them to don't want to scare them to death or anything but you know <laughs> to me that's important isn't it to build bonds up like because with we see
2: we, there's so much of the way you feel is expressed through your eyes and and some and in, I'm,
1: I'm like you I have a, the face that can't lie yeah you know? I can't well yeah
2: and <laughs> but you just know when I think when you look at when you know somebody so well you know when something's not right just by looking at their eyes and I can tell when something's not right and that gives me the opportunity this is the point where we get to say okay let's just have a little ch- let's check we're all alright and then we we do that and I, I draw the line at feeding my husband I won't feed him
1: next time he's got his naked back out I'll feed your husband
2: <laughs> you can feed him deal. no problem that's okay. a
1: deal um, one thing I wanted to talk about I know you have touched on it earlier um, it's been said that what, what you've done so my, my best friend Best man at my wedding, hours his best man, is a Muslim of Pakistani heritage. Mm-hmm. And the impact he made on my home t- this is when I'll start crying, yeah. <clears throat> the impact he made on my hometown just by being a good person, his mum was and his sisters, just like the, the best people I will ever yeah. meet in my life. Mm-hmm. And I felt that they educated everyone that they came into contact with by being decent. And so you always remind me of him because you've done that multiplied by, you know, the viewing figures of 15 million get uh, used a lot. But the impact you've had on the on Britain, it, I mean, it's it's profound, isn't it? How do you how do you come to terms with that? Because it's remarkable.
2: I mean, it's all important. I mean, even down to your mate. You know, he's he may, may not work in the public eye, and, and people may not see him, but just by just being a decent person, yeah. he's made that impression on you, and that's something that will stay with you forever and your children. And that's something he's doing his bit, and and I I just see it as me doing my bit, and. Ultimately, my my goal as a parent is to raise good human beings, not good Muslims, not not somebody with a not you know. It's not about their identity; it's just about being a good person. And I think um, that for me has always been the most important thing. And I, I if you'd ask me three years ago, how do you feel about that? I'd say, oh no, no, I kind of want to hide away and say, no, 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 I, I just want to bake cakes and and cook and and I, I kind of want to do my thing. Don't talk to me about my religion, and I don't want to get into all of that. But now it's really different for me because it's something that I would have shied away from a few years ago, but I understand the importance of doing it. And um, it, it's quite scary when, when I get, when I speak to people and they're like, thank you for doing what you've done. I just think, what have I done? I haven't really done anything.
1: But you've done so much, haven't you?
2: But when I look back, I think, actually, I'm that, I, I'm, i if I go back to my 12, 13 year old self and I, and I watch TV and I think, there's nobody like me I never think I didn't think about it then sure but I couldn't pick up a book and relate to the book I couldn't watch television and relate to the person I couldn't go into a room full of people and and be one of them so now I think the difference is that the fact that I'm doing it and is that if I can do this and if I can stand there and I can if I can write a book where a a girl can pick it up and say, I get her, I relate to that character. Or they watch me on television and say, she's just like me. Or, you know, just go into a room and say, I am proud of who I am and I don't need to be like everyone else. That in itself is the biggest change that I can make. And if I can raise three human beings who can be proud of who they are, whatever that may be, and however many layers that might add up to if they can go into a room and say, you know what, I'm proud of who I am and I don't have to be a part of anything. I can just be me. And that is so important. And and that's why I refuse to, I refuse to go away. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going away. I'm elbows out. Remember elbows out. I I and I'm going to, I'm going to hang around for as long as somebody says that I'm an imposter and then I'll fight some more. But till then, you know, I'm going to do this for as long as, as possible, because it is just about being decent people. And I think, with everything that happens in, in the media and the things that we see and the terrible things that we have to watch, it's really hard to... It's really hard to... Sometimes it's really difficult because my, my, my little girl said to me after some of the things she watches on the news and she just said, Mommy, are we bad people? And is that why nobody likes us? And it's really hard to justify that to an eight-year-old and how to... It's really hard to explain that to an eight-year-old. Um, and I always just say to her, look... We are so many things, you know, we're British, we're Bangladeshi, we're Muslims, we're, you're a girl, he's a boy. We are a family, but all we have to do is just be the best version of ourselves. And if anyone ever tells you that you're not a good person, you tell them that they're wrong and that you have to believe that. And, um, they see mummy go out and have, you know, she, they, they see me go through things where, you know, I find certain situations really tricky and, you know, I'm, in this industry, where there is nobody else like me, and it's really hard sometimes sure. because I just think maybe if I faded away and just left, it wouldn't matter. But it does matter. Oh God, yeah, it does matter, and I know that now. And I wouldn't have answered this way in th- three years ago. But it, it does matter, so I intend on sticking around for as long as people are willing to cook and read.
1: <laughs> well, hopefully, we'll, we'll be having these chats when you've got white hair and I have even less <laughs> hair. Is that a deal?
2: That's a deal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just, to, just to wrap up, if that's right. I think I always think, and you're an example of this, positivity leads to more positivity. It's, it's infectious, isn't it? Have, have you seen that yourself? Because I would say that the, the lives you touch, then the knock-on effect of that yeah. is, you know, the, the expression, the, you know, smallish ripples lead to big waves. Yeah. And just, I just think that what you're doing now, the, the impact of that will be felt for years to come.
2: Yeah, I hope, I mean, I hope so, because I, I, I didn't really realise what was happening till, I think, about two months after winning Bake Off. This is one story that stays with me for a really long time. It was a couple of weeks. It might have been a couple of weeks. It's getting a bit hazy now. But I was in the local supermarket. And this lady came up to me. And she said, I can't believe it's you. And at this point, I'm not used to this. So I was like, who's she talking about? Who's she talking to? I'm like, do I know you? Because she was an Asian lady. And I thought, maybe I know her. Maybe she's a relative. Maybe she's somebody that my husband's related to. So I didn't want to get it wrong. I was like, "Mm, do I know you? And she said, when I watched you, and after the end, when you said that thing, she said, I knew those, that those words that you said were more than just about the baking. And she had had a baby who was nine months old, and she'd become housebound because she was so scared to leave the house. And so she'd never, ever, in the nine months of having her baby, had ever left her house. And um, that day after I'd done the speech... And she waited for a little while and she just happened to go that day and say, I'm going to leave my house that day. And she happened to just see me at the supermarket. And um, she just said, she just said, thank you. And I hadn't realized what I'd done and I didn't realize that I was doing anything. And she just said, whatever it is that you're doing, can you just keep doing it till my daughter sees you? I want my daughter to see you. And if I can just keep doing it, and I want my daughter to see it, and I want her kids to see it, and I want there to be a legacy, and I want there to be a string of beautiful, wonderful people behind me who say, "Do you know what if average Nadia did it, then the rest of us can do it too." <coughs>
1: oh God, I have something in my eye. Um, <laughs> I can't thank you enough that was thank you that was a blast. Th- thanks a bit. I'm shaking thank the hand you. on a podcast that makes oh, no sense, but thank, thank you. <laughs> Thanks ever so much. I really Thank appreciate you. that. Thanks. lovely to meet you. Thank Thanks you to lovely Nadia. Regular listeners will know that I, I probably exceeded my crying uh, quotient. It's not the right word uh, on that episode. Yeah, very proud <laughs> there with Ian Wright. I think for times I got a, it all got a bit too much for me. Uh, right then, so lovely because sometimes I can't just read out a review if it's universal positivity or a, an email because it'd sound. I'd sound even needier than I actually am. But I can—I think I can answer a question here. This is, I mean, this is the dream. This is why I've done it. To try to sound like some sort of uh, radio agony ant. That's the dream. <laughs> Cleopatra Joseph. I mean, if that isn't the greatest name ever. Cleopatra Joseph. What a great name. Is that, is that, your, is that Cleopatra Joseph. If that is your real name, may I just say congratulations. <laughs> Cleopatra Hang on a minute. I feel like I should Google this. Cleopatra. We're doing this live. Stay with me. Cleopatra Joseph. Well, because what what they've done is they've put... The reason why I'm Googling it is because they've put Cleopatra Joseph in the headline. So Cleopatra Joseph. Oh, my God. See, I knew it. I didn't know. It It was a wild guess. Cleopatra Joseph is a London-based actress whose musical theatre credits include Jesus Christ Superstar, Motown the Musical, Avenue Q, Hairspray and Soul Sister. Is this is this really you? Cleopatra Joseph. Absolute legend. Cleopatra, if you'd like to come on the podcast, drop me a line. This, is, this has all happened in real time, I promise you. Probably shouldn't have done. I probably should have done my research. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, this is all positive, so I can't read that out. Because I just think if someone's reading out a positive... You know what I mean, it's a bit... But anyway, Cleopatra said the reason why this was important to me is because Cleopatra listens while she's doing the weekly shop. That's lovely. I do the same. I I listen to my favourite podcast while I'm doing the weekly shop. What's my favourite podcast? Good question. How did this get made? Oh, it never lets me down. Uh, Right, here we go. So he said, uh, sorry, (laughs) I'm guessing Cleopatra is not a he. Uh, Cleopatra says, uh, in almost every episode, I talk about how I don't get much sleep. Yes, this is Completely accurate. And I think you should personally address this and maybe interview a sleep expert. I say this with love and laughter. Cleopatra, you're my kind of dude. That's exactly the sort of thing I say. Um, Well, to answer this, we have an upcoming episode with uh, a couple of sleep experts. They've written a book about rest, the book of rest. I've been in touch with them this week. Tell you what, I hope you've all stayed for this dangerously unprofessional bit. It's real though, isn't it? It's real, man. Yeah, that's the one. The Book of Rest by James Reeves and Gabrielle Brown, and uh, we've we run a feature. We've run a feature by them in the magazine. Wonderful couple, and I won't. Do I spoil it? But I mean, definitely buy the book. It's a wonderful book. Uh, it's the kind of book that you would read on the on public transport, but also have it by the bed. Dare I say it, you'd read it in the loo because there's lots of tidbits, lots of great... I I'm not, not life hacks, No, it's not 2012, but lo- I'm going to go with life hacks. I'm bringing it back for one day only. Little life hacks for resting and, and sleep. And it got me into Yoga Nidra did this book. So Cleopatra, to directly answer your question, yes, I do sit down with a couple to talk about my lack of sleep. May I also confess that my lack of sleep is, uh, I brought this on myself because I also do a lot of uh, television warm-up and I MC uh, comedy nights. And then I also juggle it with Balance and the podcast and my children. I'm sorry, I've turned this is This is... Is this interesting or is this dangerously self-indulgent? I fear I know the answer to that question. So anyway, there's an episode coming up very soon with James Reeves and Gabrielle Brown. It's it's in the it's in the bag, it's in the chamber. <laughs> Started saying that recently. I'm so sorry. Um, so thank you, Cleopatra. Oh my gosh, four minutes thirty seconds of pure waffle. But if you want to be like Cleopatra and ask a question via a uh, via a, a review or an email, you can do that. The five-star reviews and positive write-ups. And I'll say this, but it helps so much with the algorithms and making us more noticeable. Uh, but thank you for thank you for all the uh, all the feedback and the shares and all that. It means a great deal. We are at Balance BalanceLDN. Our website is balance.media. And then I'm at James Gill Comedy. Drop me a line, podcast at balance.media. And sales to advertise, Sales. At balance.media and I can do that advert uh, for you if you so wish a-, a needy end to an otherwise lovely episode thanks to uh, Nadia Hussein ha- uh, have a have a, a lovely week and uh, thank you as always and extra thanks to Cleopatra Joseph there you go thanks very much take care
0: the number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation.